We're loud and clear, apparently. Hey, wow. Well, considering there's seven listeners and we constitute three of those seven. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> wait, now it's eight, nine. Oh my God. Oh, it's going wow. to overload. <laughs> oh no, they're talking amongst themselves. That's it, yeah. That's it. We've lost the audience. <laughs> oh no. It's already fallen to pieces. Right, okay, I'm just going to crack on with it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Shonky Lab. I'm Elton, and this week I have got two guest producers with me today. Uh, One is Mr. Scott Copperman. How are you, Scott? Hello. I'm still alive and well and happy to be back on the interwebs with you. Yeah, where the bloody hell have you been? Oh, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Fair play. That's that's kind of sums it all up, but... Yes, it's one of those things where I keep I, – eventually I will have the time to get back online and I want to do this and I had such grand plans and I kind of overwhelmed myself a bit there. So I'm glad to be uh, reached out to by you and invited on today. Yeah. Hopefully it's the stepping stone to doing doing things like this more often. Cool. Excellent. And also in the second chair we have Mr. Lee Medcalf. How are you? Why won't you let me go? Well <laughs> – I, I tend to grab onto people, and that's it. They're they're kind of stuck with me for, for quite some time. Um, you've got me. And then he hunts you down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just just hunts me for sport. Yeah. Yes. Poor old Scott was was it like nearly? It's nearly ten years now since we've been doing this. Oh yeah. I think he was. Yeah, I remember. I think back to uh, the Apotheosis podcast and the numbering system, and I remember when we it was zero zero. I think I think we did zero zero one was the first one, and yeah. you kind of oh, that's ambitious. <laughs> you made a you made a remark about oh I don't know if, jokingly that you didn't know if we'd get to need those numbers, but we did. I know we got <laughs> over a hundred, so that was good. And I see Rogue Two has been going strong, so uh, yep. it's it's important. Give yourself that little bit of room to work with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What, what the hell were we doing 10 years ago? We were so young. We were so young in them days. Wow, that's depressing. And and good <laughs> in, in another way, I suppose. Yeah. So. Good save. Good save. <laughs> it's a good segue to the topic that you wanted to talk about today. Well, kind of, uh... yeah. Um, Jim mentioned this when we were wrapping up the Black Dog last night. He mentioned that getting you onto here is kind of like a a, a mini reboot, I suppose. Yeah. So I, I'd imagine I'd probably put this on the Apotheosis feed just for shits and giggles. So yeah. why the hell not? But <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk about reboots and such I suppose in TV and in movies, and I know we all three of us are big movie TV fans. I suppose you would put it like that, and we've had our share of ups and downs with reboots, etc. So, uh, yeah, where where do you guys want to start with this? Because I suppose there's so many places where we we can start with reboots. Hmm. Well. But no, go no, go ahead, Scott. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I was I was just going to suggest that maybe we start with what what is a re- reboot constitute or what constitutes a reboot might be a better way to put it is because you have, for example, all those uh, what is what's the cartoon? Is it Romeo and Juliet, which is essentially a reboot of Romeo and Juliet? You have all those uh, 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 the Happy Days, Twelve Angry Men episode. You know things that are inspired by pieces of 
by past works, and usually it's a classic, um, probably because there's no copyright fees to take that same plot and reuse it. Mm. Um, it you know, is that a reboot? Is that an inspired by? Is does a reboot have to be? Uh, here we are with the same title with um, three quarters of the same character names. Uh, how would you guys kind of define a reboot versus an inspired by a remake, et cetera? Yeah, I, I was going to say that that to me sounds more like that's more like a homage or a homage, mm-hmm. if you want to say. <laughs> um, that to me is one of those things where you always get those episodes and you, you know, or the classic is the um, Looney Tunes with. Um, Bugs Bunny and um, was it and uh, oh, what's his name Elmer Fudd doing mm-hmm. the, you know doing the um, the oh, oh my brain is completely gone the um, opera and uh, so does that mean does oh, that man, mean yeah. they're adapting the opera and it does that mean it's a reboot of the opera like that that all that sort of stuff to me seems like those sort of special episodes that a, a show has just to kind of you know, adapt it or interpret it as just sort of like for a little giggle. Whereas right. to me, something like something when someone says a reboot, my my thought immediately goes towards taking something we've already established and basically resetting it back to zero. Hmm. With so so the audience has a predetermined idea of what the thing is in their mind, and then going, okay, right, that's what we had before. Let's start again, but you know where we're starting from. So you've already done the groundwork with, I don't know, characters or situation. Star Trek is the one that people go back to. You know, mm-hmm. so that that reboot of um, with uh, Chris Pine, which is a reboot and isn't a reboot because it's technically within continuity and whatnot. But um, right. the idea is you know who Captain Kirk is. You know who Spock is. You know what the Enterprise is. You don't need that stuff explained to you, but you're starting from the beginning again. Um, another another perfect example with reboots for me is always the Batman franchise. I mean, mm-hmm. every single one starts off with him discovering how how he becomes Batman and his parents <laughs> getting shot in an alley for like twenty bloody films or however many there's been so far. So that is that's that's the dictionary definition of a reboot for me. I don't know about Elton or or yourself. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I suppose a reboot for me would be using a property and using the same characters and really just resetting it, as you said, back to zero and starting again from fresh. I think the Profanabad in the chat room, which I'll, I'll mention in a minute, he said uh, an adaption or interpretation would be more like a, a, a like the Simpsons taking on a homage to something else. That's more of a, an, an adaption as to... They're taking a script and using that, but in their own little world themselves. They're not actually mm. starting that world from that script. And, yeah, I suppose you you need familiar characters to reboot. So you, you start again, but you're familiar where their journey will take them or possibly take them. And then it can be exciting that they don't take him in that journey. So that is a reboot for myself. What about you, Scott? Well, I, I would agree with the idea of, of drawing on and referencing classics is, is not necessarily a reboot. And I, I remember being like a snot-nosed teen in school and arguing with my English teachers, well, maybe maybe the author just 
couldn't think of a name and they used Mr. Ahab as the name of the character. And maybe uh, they just, the guy's wearing a white shirt just because that's what he thought of. And, and truly for a time, I didn't get it. And then I just became like the little snot who was arguing. But now I understand the, the idea of planting uh, bits and pieces that, that help viewers and readers draw connections and are, are intended to make you think back to, to draw parallels between ideas and it's it fleshes stories out it it adds it say it's adds to the uh information it, it's kind of an efficient way to to send a message and define characteristics so yeah like the things um that reference classic works and all that for the most part aren't reboots the i agree about batman and and spider-man was referenced in the chat room for the most part i i I think they are reboot films. Star Trek is, has been a sticking point for me. And we were actually still on the air when it was coming out. It, the part of that, that, that I dislike and where I, I wrestle with how much is it a reboot mm. uh, or do I wish I'd handled it differently is the continuity part. If I, I don't have a problem with the Batman origin story being retold or Spider-Man and, and some subtle tweaks to it. Um, the part of, of Star Trek that bothers me is this notion that the timeline was split and, and you can't see my hands gesturing, but <laughs> the timeline was split and the changes do not begin from that point on. Um, and the, and the changes that went that occurred before, whether it's um, the con backstory and, and all that, it, it was just so different um, that that I didn't really understand why it had to be. Why did the villain have to be Khan? Why and and even with Star Trek and its success of um, creating parallel entities, you know, new ships, the next generation, and all these things, it, I didn't think if they were going to vary that much that it needed to be Kirk and Spock and and all. Of those same characters, they kind of defined character classes. Um, mm. They had certain personality types that existed on each crew, and yeah. and I was frustrated that they chose to do the Kirk Spock crew. And and for me, in that instance, I didn't care for it. Um, where I probably would have enjoyed had it had whole new character names and been basically the same movie. I probably would have liked it a lot more. Mm. I mean, in terms of in terms of Trek, and I. I... I, it's quite funny just before we before you came on board i was like oh no this is gonna go trek and then we were like ah trek it doesn't matter but just to just address that the, the first re, the first sort of split off the one with um eric banner as the bad guy mm-hmm. that one i kind of i thought well okay fine that's just giving them a launch pad to essentially go off and do their own thing without you know, without the sort of the, the baying hordes of Trek fanboys who say this isn't Trek, you know, the sort of stuff we've seen with Discovery on Netflix. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a clever way of saying, well, no, your stuff still exists over here. You can go over here and do what you like with, you know, Shatner and co. And over here, we can go off and do what we want in our toy box. And if you want to come and play, that's great. Where they went wrong was, as you say, when they went into the second one with Benedict Cumberbatch turning up as you know, turning up as <laughs> as Genghis Khan, or oh, sorry, a Khan, and um, you know, and then it all sort of like, well, hold on, you've you've kind of 
you kind of painted yourself back into the corner you just got yourself out of in the previous film. Right. Um, so, so to me, that was kind of a bit of a wasted opportunity. But you know, also using Trek as a as um as a launching point when you were saying about sort of adapting old properties mm-hmm. and old things, the the um Patrick Stewart one, the the first contact, which obviously refers quite heavily to things like Moby Dick and you know the, you know he becomes Ahab essentially trying to hunt down the Borg at all costs to the cost of everyone else until uh-huh. he actually quotes the film he quotes the book verbatim at one point um you know that sort of thing I think again you you know you're saying oh you know it's nice references for some of the audience and that's cool I think I, but I don't think that's a reboot of Moby Dick <laughs> uh, <laughs> gee, I've gone around in a circle here um but uh, the 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 one thing I was going to say just just when we were getting started was what's the difference between a reboot and a remake in terms of like for example um I looked on Google and like people was, and it's and one of the remakes that comes up quite str- reboots comes up quite strongly is Dread as a reboot of the of the was it the Sylvester Stallone movie mm-hmm. I would say that the two apart from the name of the character and the name of the location have very little bearing on each other at all in terms of what the character is where the character comes from how the world operates everything is completely different beyond the names so in theory that's actually not a reboot that's just a remake they've just sort of taken the idea and just said right just scrap the whole thing let's just start again it's not even it's not going to be any way related to the previous previous film in any way shape or form so is there a subtle difference between the two yeah I, I think there i don't think there's a subtle i think there's a massive difference between the two because you could have oh okay a reboot would be oh okay with, with the dread it is a remake no no hang on well it's a reboot no hang on it's a remake <laughs> jesus man no i had it in my head and now it's gone <laughs> Okay, we'll use an easier one, The Thing, which is is three different films, all based around the same idea, and effectively one is a prequel to the other, but in in turn is also a remake of the the reboot. I don't know, but it all goes... Well, what I was going to say is a reboot would be starting a whole new franchise off the same similar sort of character, similar sort of story, but taking your own direction. A remake would be a soul. They, they could remake the Lord of the Ring movies again. It wouldn't be a reboot per se, because you're not going off in a different direction where, or, or you could possibly go off in a different direction. You'd still stick firmly to the literature that was written before. And so that would just be a remake of that film or remake of that or readapted uh, but mm. that wouldn't be a reboot because you wouldn't have the possibility of going elsewhere with dread you, you're not remaking the sylvester stallone movie you're rebooting the franchise to to take it elsewhere that i think that's the the journey that you're going to go on is totally different if they did back to the future it would just be possibly a remake because you you've got the structure there you know where 
uh, where you start and where you end and you're just going to follow that similar sort of path and so it's just your adaptation your remake of that you're not going to well, go anywhere else i think it depends else. if they use marty and doc brown or they use marty's niece like the karate kid movies the karate kid sequels mm. where they were essentially reboot each one was a retelling of essentially the same story yeah. uh, or at least the first and the last but but I mean I hear what you're saying. Pete's Dragon was my one of my favorite movies growing up, and the the re in imagining that happened this past year that was it was a completely different story. Um, and I understand they use the same same name for the dragon, and and they kind of had the same premise of a an orphan boy and a dragon, but it really didn't have to be. Uh, a Pete's Dragon affiliated film, like it yeah. could have could have gone a whole different route. They really were, for lack of a better word, exploiting the other film to to have a starting point from a marketing point of view. And mm. uh, the Godzilla film, the more recent ones tend to be that way. Yeah, uh, they. I, I think where you get into that gray area is Spider-Man: Homecoming, um, which mm. re reset everything time-wise backed it up quite a bit did choose to use some villains we haven't seen before in the movies did not start with the origin story uh, and left out some pretty important parts too you know the uncle ben dying was mm. was supposedly where he gets all his uh his sense of responsibility and and um yeah i think that in a way, if you can get past the visualness of, well, we've gone from Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield to now, mm. uh, you know, a younger looking Spider-Man after basically having a 30 year old, um, you can kind of almost see it as a continuation mm. of, of the story. Um, I mean, I mean, in terms, in terms of Spider-Man, I think, I think part of that, that whole, you know, let's not show Uncle Ben biting the dust for for a fifth time. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really more to do with that's more to do with. I think I think beyond Batman and Superman, Spider Man's origin story is about the most overtold origin story in all of comics and movie history. I think. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think you can find. I, don't, I think there's 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 actual tribes in the Amazon jungle. That haven't even seen TV that know how Uncle Ben died <laughs> and how <laughs> stopped him. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say also, given all of this, does a reboot or a remake, whatever we want to call it, does it, does it also count as a reboot or a remake if they switch the character, the actor playing it, um, in terms of the actor is slightly older, so they re- reposition the character. What I'm basically getting around to is James Bond. Is each series of Bonds, you know, so you've got the your Connery Bonds, your Roger Moore Bonds, and your, you know, your Daniel Craig Bonds, and, you know, Pierce Brosnan going, yes. But if, if you've got those Bonds, do they all count as, like, series on their own and then get rebooted back to the beginning again when a new cat when a new actor takes over does that count as a reboot oh i don't know sometimes they have to stipulate that though don't they didn't they do that with uh daniel craig when he first started they 
they kind of went back to the beginning, didn't they? Because you had all the the Jason Bourne stuff, which kind of woke them up and re- shook them up, and you realised that hang on, no, James Bond has got a little bit wet and doesn't really it needs to be brought up into the mainstream again, and mm. so they needed to go back to basics because for me, because I'm not a massive James Bond fan at all, they just mm. seem to mold into one and it, for me it was one whole journey from the very beginning up until just before daniel craig and it was just a different face for the same guy same personality and it was just another week for that individual it just happened to have a different face but with mm. the daniel craig coming along it was nope we are gonna start all over again this mm. where it gets uh, a bit more grittier, a bit more real, less gadgetry, and away we go. It, hopefully, this will stand the test of time for the next 10, 15 years. But it was also a movie that had been done before, right? It wasn't... Mm. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. They, they were literally rebooting... They were retelling one of the chapters. To, like, to me, that's what James Bond is, is kind of chapters in a long narrative. Um and it doesn't bother me that they change the character. But if they were to sit there and redo Octopussy or Thunderball or something, then then that's a reboot to me. Right. So Never Say Never Again, for example, which is essentially Thunderball and um, that other one that they were going to do, which was Warhead 2000 or whatever it was, never happened. Those would be the reboot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I'm trying to do. But like, but Superman Returns mm. was not to me. To me, that was a continuation. I I personally liked the idea they were trying to make it Christopher Reeve still. Uh, you know, mm. stick as close to that that version of Superman as possible. Um, yeah. But then the new the Man of Steel, obviously, that's that's a reimagining of the character. Right. Yeah, because because with um, was it Superman Returns? That was effectively a sequel to. That was effectively a very long sequel to um, Superman 2, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That once yeah. he's Zod, he disappeared off to see Krypton and then come back. And he'd been gone for, was it, 20 years or whatever it was? Or five years or something like that? I can't remember now. It's been and it tried to stay very faithful to that style, right down to the yeah. the campiness of the villain and the, um, yeah. the just everything about it had a feel. It could have been right out of... Uh, the 80s early 80s yeah yeah kevin spacey was channeling his inner gene hackman at that yeah point. and and, <laughs> and he was and he was still and he was still after a um, land grab his whole plan was still just real estate wasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't know that i i steered well clear of that movie because that just didn't appeal to me whatsoever so mm. i i suppose you know did you get any backstory in in that one was it a kind of origin again because that seems to be a crux of of people with the reboots it begins origins if you i mean that was probably still early on before spoilers were prevalent all over the start of the movie if you go into it it feels like you're going to see the origin story again Mm. and it's kind of like a switch on on you all of a sudden that oh we're (laughs) we're not uh you know, in, in Kansas and he's a baby. It's just yeah. we're 20 years after the last film or, or less because he's hardly aged and neither is Lois. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. However, out of nowhere, a baby has arrived. 
Uh, and she's dating Cyclops from the X-Men. What the hell? <laughs> Cross over, man. Anyway. Well, okay, well, was uh, the X-Men a good place for the superhero franchise to reboot itself anyway? Because they they had all the the black leathers, etc., and it was kind of a kick up the arse to the superhero genre, wasn't it? Well, black leather was more of a Brian Singer thing than, a, <laughs> than anything else. But it else works, that... though, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, without it, arguably, you wouldn't get the movies you've got today. That's for sure. It made made the X-Men doable. And, you know, everyone was like, no, it's going to cost too much. It'll never be made. You know, too many characters, that sort of stuff. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, like you could argue that without that, you wouldn't have had your Spider-Mans and, and all the other stuff that's followed it. So, yeah, it did reboot this the the superhero franchise but if you're talking about a full reboot you know something that shook everything up i mean the marvel universe has got to be the thing you know the instant that you know nick fury turns up at the post credits and goes i'd like to talk to you about the avengers initiative you could literally hear warner brothers going shit shit um, fuck (laughs) shit fuck papers call who do we call who do we call what's going on you know, and um, yeah, and they've been trying to catch up ever since. But li- but every film ever since then, including that appalling Fantastic Four movie, well, which one? There was four of them. Yeah, there was, uh, there was loads, weren't there? Yeah, and there was two two with um, Jessica Alba. Is it Jessica Alba? Mm-hmm. It was. There's the one which only just came out, and then there's the which was bloody awful, and then there's the Roger Corman one as well. See, that seems to be a franchise which people don't realize that should never be rebooted at all. (laughs) It just doesn't work. I think the problem is comic book properties are rebooted so much in the comic books as well. Mm. So uh, they're so fluid in the source material that you can be loyal to that. And inevitably you're going to reboot. Spider-Man's going to get married. Then it's going to be erased. And Mm. uh, he's going to, you're going to have Spider-Gwen and you're going to have Hulk and you're going to have uh, General Ross becomes the Hulk. You know, all these things happen. Th- those used to be my favorite comic book stories, the Elseworlds and the what if stories. Yeah. Um, but that was when it was the exception. <laughs> and yeah. now at almost every year, I, I couldn't afford to follow comics the way I did as a kid because there's so many tie-ins and, and uh, variations of things. The, God, yeah. the ultimates, the uh, all, all the different versions of comics. Yeah, the inst- the instant if they put Infinity on anything in Marvel, um, or put Final Crisis on anything in DC, you're like, "Yep, that's my entire pay packet for the next twenty years disappearing out there." <laughs> See, um, would would that be a reboot in the comics? Because I've read comics before, and I've quite enjoyed where they they change. It's it's more of a different story, and you, then you get different art as well. So I don't see that as a reboot per se. I I see that as I I used to love the old um, Dark Horse Alien comics, and mm. it was just a case of right. You get to the end of that story, you 
been told the story and then you move on to the next artist and if you like the artist you stick along with it and if you like the story you stick along with it if not then you wait until the new one kicks in again and it's just the same magazine same layout you still have the questions and answers and all the coupons and all the adverts in the middle of it but essentially it's the same thing it's you're just waiting for a good story to come along i didn't see that as a reboot that is that is what comics do yeah Go on, Scott. Go on, Scott. Oh, but the superhero comics, the they have rebooted. Like DC has the new Fifty Two, which mm. kind of reinvented a lot of their characters. And even going back, um, I, I can remember buying Man of Steel number one, which was so exciting because uh, I think it was John Byrne was Superman was too powerful in the eighties, so they kind of created a more a more mortal Superman version, and it was. Um, he didn't have the class 1000 strength. He was vulnerable to more than kryptonite and magic. And, um, I, you know, there are times where they reinvent the characters more than just, um, like the X-Men wearing leather in the eighties and then <laughs> yeah. this uniform and that uniform, um, and the, and the inevitable death of a character. And then some, someone decides, Oh, you know what? They're not dead after all. We're bringing them back. Yeah. Uh, Sales have dropped. Bring them back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think more like where Fantastic Four in the comics has changed its lineup of, um, you know, She-Hulk was in there for a while while things stayed on Battleworld and, and uh, you know, all these different things have happened. There's also uh, rebooting of it where they slightly change the origin story or, um, yeah uh, you know, and, and that's I, one of the Spider-Man storylines in the comics is that. Peter Parker's parents didn't die. I think his dad's a spy or something like that. I believe that might have been part of the Andrew Garfield movie series. Mm. But I mean, that's that's not the original storyline, and that's uh, that's the kind of thing that, as part of the the cinematic version, they could do that fluid. But it's it's probably not going to be part of the Homecoming story. I'm I'm not really sure. Mm. Yeah, I mean they've they've also got they've also did the same with um, Batman as well, didn't they? With Thomas Wayne being Batman instead of Bruce because Bruce got shot in the um, alleyway. Um, that's the Flashpoint storyline. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that that's, yep. that's that's another thing when they they do they do like a soft reboot. They sort of go, oh, this is an alternative universe. However, if you like it, we might just keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's testing the water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you know they did they did. I mean, I, there's been like three or four versions of Supergirl and, you know, mm-hmm. one, that, um, one that was a, a real Kryptonian, another one which is his cousin, and another one that's a clone. And, yeah. oh, man, alive, it's all gone all over the place. And, you know, so comics comics reboot pretty much continually. I think Tony Stark at the moment, isn't he an AI within Iron Girl Riri's suit? He's like Jarvis now or something. He's, I believe, yeah, he's... They, they're trying to diversify the character, and yeah, I think they've moved on from him as a yeah as a living entity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's sort of uploaded his brain into into the Iron Man sort of network, and then he's he's just he's just like a really sarcastic suit costume. So he's you know? become the Jarvis. Yeah, yeah, he's become Jarvis, and basically, um, yeah, the the girl who's now Iron Man, um, is. Yeah, I I can't remember her name because I haven't read the comics 
recently, but but you know he'll be back. Oh. I mean, within ten years, it'll be back to him being the Iron Man. Whether it's Iron Man uh, classics, there'll mm. be an, a series of stories with him mm. as Iron. Yeah, which is the same with um, Captain America, wasn't he a Hydra agent or something? Yep. He yeah. was killed at one point. Yeah. yeah. He's been shot and stabbed and died and come back again at least tw- three times, I can recall. Um, so with yeah. these comics, do they, do they they don't do the origin story all the time, do they? So when does it when is a good time to introduce an origin story? Uh, in movies and in comics and in any media, really. Well, it's it's often good just to introduce something at the beginning and just leave it at that. I mean, I know, <laughs> you mean you bring it up in... again, like to retell it or re. Yeah, but well, because because we've had the Batman reboot many times already. We've had the origin story. Now you always have fresh people coming to these medias, and sometimes the the latest one is someone's first one and so they need to be told what's going on and they don't necessarily want to dip back into the old old episodes or old comics or old films or whatever it is and so surely it's good to i know it it's a ball lake for some some people like us where we we've seen batman be uh, created again and again and again, and Superman and Spider-Man. But mm-hmm. it's good for someone else to come along new and fresh to it to actually find out how that works and for to give someone else the opportunity to tell that story in their own way. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it all comes down to distance of time, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, if you're telling uh, the, the essentially the Batman origin story with the Christopher Nolan Batman begins with the Tim Burton Batman, then you have it in flashbacks in Batman Returns, and then you have it in flashbacks again in Batman Forever, and then you have it flashbacks again in Batman um, Batman and Robin, hmm. and then you have it in fla- in a slow motion opening to Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. I think at some point you've got to say, okay. You know, there's only like a week, you know, there's only been like sort of like three years between the last time we told it and this time we told it. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking yeah, about it, that's all. Yeah, and I'm just too. and I'm just thinking I'm just thinking that you know, if you're if you if your distance is ten years, twenty years Okay, fine. Yeah, retell it. Sometimes you just don't need to retell it. Like the Spider-Man Homecoming, it's just like he's Spider-Man. Here he is. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and oh, and the Gotham TV series. Yeah, but that's just crazy bonkers. Do darland Jack. Um, sorry, Jack Woodgate on the chat said, "Don't forget the TV Gotham series." <laughs> um, that's just now the that- Spider-Man movie. Getting back to that, like mm. that would be an instance where. The origin story is probably slightly different because our Aunt May is is younger and and he's. It just seems like if they get around to referencing that origin, there may be a difference in it that's noteworthy. But I'm glad that they didn't um, mm. didn't but, invest the time in it because mm. I felt like the movie was already pretty full and and I, I personally am not a fan of the movies getting to the two two and a half hour mark. It's hard mm-hmm. to commit to those. I'd rather the more streamlined storytelling. And there's a lot of, like we talked about Star Trek before, they had the prequel uh, comic books yeah. that kind of explained, which 
you really did feel like you were missing a little bit if you didn't know um you know the story of eric banya's character and why why he was so motivated Mm. but but again that's not uh the superman origin which is so well known yeah like green lantern the lesser known character probably needs to do some sort of origin but it probably could be more in the form of a Mm. a flashback or a bit uh even the flash you know yeah i i think yeah, I mean, I mean, in the case of the in the case of like the Flash and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern for those sort of characters, I mean, they aren't kind of this is what I'm kind of saying. This they aren't kind of constantly on our screens. So if mm-hmm. someone was to redo the origin story for Green Lantern, I mean, it's been what nearly a decade now since they came out. Yeah, and it's got to be close on. And so if someone was to come back and do that again, I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with it because literally apart from comic book sort of you know aficionados no one's going to see that and go oh yeah of course it's green lantern you know we know where he's come from mm-hmm. you know, it's more the case that in like i say in the case of like the more well-known and sort of oft repeated characters like like your spider-mans your batmans your supermans where it's literally there is there is at best at best there's five years gap between the previous one and the latest one, that to me doesn't feel like a long enough time for people to forget it or not go look for it. Yeah. That to me, that's where I kind of go really again, because, because you're talking about, you're literally talking about, you know, someone who's five when the first Batman came out is now 10 when the second one came out. If they like Batman in the first place, they're going to go back and watch it. Right. Yeah, Batman um, is Batman, isn't it? Batman is Batman is Batman. You know, and they're not, and you know, and for all of you know, for all of their their desire to reboot it over and over again, Batman is a perfect example because they just keep going back to the Dark Knight Returns well over mm-hmm. over again in terms of trying to do something stylistic with it. So, really, what are you getting out of a new reboot? Uh, what are you getting out of i mean apart from sort of just saying forget all this stuff let's just tell a new story and not baggage ourselves down but you're not getting anything new out of actually retelling the origin again i think yeah i agree i I think comic books superhero stories lend themselves more to a serial approach than than going back and starting from the beginning over and over Mm. and sometimes you have films that are dated like i was just talking to uh actually my dad over the weekend about um because the jurassic park new movie trailer had come out and we were talking about other michael Crichton books and andromeda strain is a movie that probably hasn't aged well it needs to be uh if it's ever going to be re-released it needs to be updated uh because it it looks like a 1960s star trek movie with Mm. sets and such now if you're going to do that though um does it need to be Andromeda Strain? Could it just be another? Could it be Outbreak, two yeah. point or or twenty eight days later? And then also thinking about like um, the Total Recall movies, mm. that was one where or maybe the special effects were updated a little bit. But would we have been? Would you rather have had a next chapter or like a, a sequel, a true sequel rather than a retelling and a freshening of the story? Yeah. I guess, I guess, I mean, just to, to speak to the Total Recall part, I mean, the first one, the Schwarzenegger one, the uh, Verhoeven one, 
that ends on such an ambiguous note that almost to to do a sequel would be to destroy the ambiguity of the ending where you're still even up to the very last second not sure whether or not Quaid's personality is really his personality and he's really doing these things or it's all just an imagination thing that's playing out it's a total recall um, machine mm-hmm. thing that's gone wrong and you know the the hints that are dropped throughout the film which is you know once you get to the end of this thing if you don't come out willingly it's just going to fade to white and you're going to just be a vegetable and that's exactly what it does at the very end and snaps to the credits and you're sort of sitting there going, yay, he's done it. And then you kind of come away going, actually, hang on. <laughs> um, because, because even right at the beginning when he sits in the chair, the words are, oh, great. This one, blue skies over Mars. Great, great simulation. And so you're left with that ambiguity. To make a sequel to that would be just to sit there and go, oh, okay, you've answered the question now. Um, so, so rebooting it was probably the only thing you could do. Um, uh, another one that always is my old standby, which is you know I know I'm gonna I'm gonna hear the groans from a, a thousand miles away. No, but, go for it. But but in the terms of like like the video game Mass Effect, you get three film, you get three games, and it has a very very clear ending that just goes right fine, you know whatever you choose, however it plays out, this is it. You can't go beyond this bit without ruining what's left of the story or the world or the universe. So they literally said, okay, what we'll do is we'll just start again, but we'll start again in a completely different galaxy. <laughs> and <clears throat> where we don't have to trouble ourselves with any of the stuff that's gone before. And so that's, that's the only reason I see for having those kind of reboots is because you can't really physically do a sequel but they want to do more mm. you you literally have to just lift up everything that you need and just get the fuck out <laughs> um so you know in like i say in terms of mass effect you take the technology and you take the idea and the tenets of certain characters and the idea of how the universe works but you've literally got to just go away completely so you've got no connection beyond oh this is how we started but this is not anything to do with the previous one go go away sort of thing but surely that opens up scope for anyone else wanting to dip their toe into that franchise because then they can they've got the building blocks and they have all the elements there and they have a a kind of bible to adhere to and then they can go and manipulate hmm. their own story to that bible can't they yeah well exactly but the but you know in the terms of in terms of that particular franchise, the the story hits a narrative dead end. There's such a global change to the entire Milky Way by the end of it, whichever way it goes, you just can't see it continuing on in any satisfying way. That's the end of the story. This is it. Bush down. And it's like, so how do you continue on? Do you set prequels? Well, prequels clearly have a bit of a stigma to them. Well, they so, have a finite life, don't they? Well, again, it's that whole thing of you know the end point, so all the tension kind of goes away. Yeah. So then, so, so you have a kind of soft reboot where you say, well, while all this stuff that was in this series over here was going on, over there, 600 years away, huh. is another... Kind of like Tron. Exactly, is, a, is another story running in parallel. And so that's exactly what they did. You know, they literally lock, stock and barrel, lifted up the whole thing and just 
took it somewhere so far away that it's the it's the new Star Trek thing again. They literally said, "Look, your your story is going on over here, but in no way can it affect the story that's now going on over here because it's just physically not possible." So it's a reboot, but it's also a continuation, which is kind of a cheeky way of getting around it. Um, just, well, would oh. you rather it be? Uh, maybe um, I'll try to think of a, another example of something tied in the same it's part of the same universe but it's not the same story yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah I mean to, I mean it, well it depends doesn't it I mean I mean in that particular instance I don't think you could go any further again mm-hmm. like Total Recall one you couldn't go any further you know you hit a definitive point that to go any further is to essentially ruin the story that's preceded it um, but you, you know, you, you know, in using something like Star Wars uh, Rebels and the Clone Wars and mm-hmm. all the other ones, you know, to take a whole new set of characters in the same universe and just go off you go and let's have another play with it over here or Rogue One, you know, set it sort of tangently to the main story. That's that's fine, but I don't. The Rogue know. One went it butted right up against mm. the first Star Wars, and that was. Yeah. That was the the wall it hit that the other that what you're saying like with rebels hasn't had to do yet. Yeah. So they, yeah. they left themselves a little more cushion on either side. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms of in terms of you know, I suppose the Rogue One example is the perfect sort of sort of example of why you can't go any further. You can't redo yeah. Rogue One. You can't redo it again. You can't, because it's always got to end at a certain point. It's always got to start at a certain point, and it's got to feed into a another story. <laughs> so, you can't really do anything with that. Uh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say that was something I on Apotheosis. I used to always when this would come up, I would say that all night. I felt like at some point someone was going to reboot Star Wars. Here we just go. because, <laughs> just because the special effects, as advanced as the special effects were then. They pale by comparison now, and and it's amazing what they can do with with uh, Rogue One and all and the prequels to make it look older and yet be newer. Mm. But my my feeling was it was inevitable someone was going to go and retell the story, not in the way that these this new trilogy has done, and just kind of borrowed too much from past plot lines i think but because i think that's more of an homage and that's more of trying to to draw connections and get you thinking this is the next of a line of uh Mm. special you know make you guess who the character is and and their lineage and and what they're are they going to follow a parallel path or not but Mm. i i felt like that was you know in in 2099 whoever the hot jj abrams type director is then is going to sit there and say they they've been hired by Disney Takahama Corporation to <laughs> reboot this property using the hot uh, teen star and all this and, mm. and and that to me is I mean I'm glad it won't be around for it and, and I would imagine <laughs> Elton that that for you you feel like you have been around for it with with mm. uh, Force Awakens and such mm. oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I remember having that conversation with you and I was adamant that nobody could do that. You can't touch that. And it was the same as I think I said that and Jaws. There's no, no, you, you can't, can't just go around and just remake Star Wars. It just doesn't work like that. The others, the, the first three are the perfect ones. So you, you just, 
uh, stick with them. But as time's gone on, the more I love it, the less other people love it. And the more people that come into the new films, I just look at back at the old stuff. And yeah, it's dated, isn't it? So we don't really want to get into it. My kids don't want to get into Star Wars. Even mm. with, with the new stuff, you know, they they enjoyed The Force Awakens. But I think that's as far as it went. I was hoping that they it might be a good stepping stone for them to for us to enjoy a franchise together and then maybe bicker about it a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, have a bit of fun banter with it. But it, it just didn't really work that way. And so I'm I'm stuck reminiscing about the old days with that the old Star Wars and now the new stuff's come along and I don't like it and I'm just a grumpy old man just saying, Nope, nope, this is wrong. This is wrong. You've got it all wrong and you've just been conned. And you're all idiots for for being conned, and um, yeah, but that's the way of the world. It's going to carry on like that, though, isn't it? Because it, it, there's just far too much money in there. Well, I mean, it's, it, the problem the problem with using Star Wars or Jaws as a perfect example. I mean, you, I don't want to sound like one of those kind of luddites who doesn't want to listen to the you know or see which way the wind's blowing, but those films are cultural leaping points for everything else that follows it. If you know what I mean, you know, every shark Mm -hmm. film ever since has been, Oh, that's jaws, but blah, blah, blah. Or diehard is a similar one. You know, Mm diehard does something and it goes, and now everything is, you know, shorthand of diehard on a plane, diehard in a Butlin's holiday camp, you know, anything you like. Um, and Star Wars is the same. I, I, I maintain the best remake of Star Wars was Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And in terms, in terms of the sense of what it was culturally, you know, where you've got this kind of sense of a good old fashioned pulp adventure, you've got a roguish hero and you've got, you know, a badass princessy type, but, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't, you know, and then you've got the two sort of crazy, you've got the two crazy sidekicks in sort of, you know, Groot and uh, Rocket and, you know, who act like the sort of Greek chorus for most of it. And then, you know, and then you've got this sort of badass sort of, you know, implacable villain in terms of like, you know, Thanos Emperor sort of, you know, you've got your sort of roguish kind of um, right hand man who's got his own agenda in the in the Mm -hmm. guy. And so to me, Guardians of the Galaxy was a Star Wars reboot. But no one can reboot Star Wars because to do that would be to sort of, I don't know, it, I think it, at that point, pop eats itself because it, it influences so many other things that you can't get away from it and and without referencing it and Die Hard being the perfect example. So I, I don't know how far into the future you'd have to go before someone finally says, okay, we'll remake that because it's... I think they're diluting it. Like the way that Elton was describing how it was so, so special and pristine to him. It's, it's now one of six different storylines with, um, mm. with the Star Trek or Star Wars characters. And now you're going to have the solo movie, which are t- sort of does mm. reboot the characters with younger, more familiar. Uh, you know, t- today's. Uh, 20 year olds don't really know Harrison Ford as much other than a cranky talk show host uh, or talk show guest, <laughs> but they know Donald Glover. Uh, they know, was it Donald Glover? Is it, that's, yeah, that's the that's younger uh, actor. Too. That's Lando. Yes. Um, I'm thinking the other Donald Glover too, from uh, <laughs> lethal weapon, which is rebooted on TV too. It's, it's just, yeah, 
But Jaws is funny because there are tons of shark movies that try to do the same thing, but not one of them calls itself a, a Jaws reboot. It, like that's that's untouchable. There's a campiness, but also because they don't show the shark very much, mm. I, I think it doesn't age the way like a bad dinosaur film or or uh, some other uh, pre CGI movies would. And I don't know that that'll be rebooted. Um, I don't know if they feel there's a need to do that in the same way um, that some of these other properties feel like they, they may have to. And even uh, Jurassic Park, I don't know if that'll be rebooted at some point because they want to make a 3D version or like a, as the medium changes and they want to tell the story with different technology. I think it's more likely to be almost like another chapter of it or a similar storyline rather than mm. taking that property and going right back to the beginning of cloning and and such. Yeah, well, I think with with the Star Wars and let's say Jaws as well, because I think it's very hard to reboot that because you'd just be going – you'd be treading the same water again, no pun intended. But mm. with with Jaws itself, it's – it's like covering a classic song. Now, if you dip back into Rolling Stones, you can cover a ton of their songs because they're generic pop, fun, rock and roll slash, you know, just, just get up and boogie type stuff. But then you, you, mm. you can go into the Beatles stuff where it's all a bit psychedelic and a bit weird and a bit whoa. And Candy Flip tried to do... Oh, Strawberry Fields. And it was appalling. So bad it was good. And I think if people tried to do that today, it would just be, well, no, you, you can't touch that song. You can't do that. I think if someone tried to cover Smells Like Teen Spirit and it wasn't an ironic version of it and it was a, a, stenu a genuine stand-up effort to try and cover that song but in their own little style then I think it would be a bit cringy because there are some things you just don't touch. And I think Jaws could be one of them things. Because it was the first, everything else comes from that point. And there's just no getting away from it. The Beatles, at points, got there first before everyone else. Now, that's not to say if the Beatles didn't turn up, that thing would have turned, uh, that would have come along in the mainstream at a later date, the same as Jaws, if Steven Spielberg hadn't made that, there still would have been a shark movie, and then that would have been the film that everyone looks upon with aura and gone, oh, how beautiful is that? But it, it still would have popped along in pop culture, but sometimes you just can't go back and cover certain things. And I personally thought that's what Star Wars was. I didn't think that they could touch it, but... I think we all know my thoughts on The Force Awakens. And uh -huh. they they did that. And I think it's the way that they marketed it as, oh, this is the new Star Wars. You know, this is going to be good. We've got a whole new story in front of you. No, we were tricked. And it was the same old story again. And that's where I think if I'd been told, look, guys, this is a remake and a reboot to the franchise. We're going to try and take it elsewhere, but don't expect anything different than what you've already seen. 
then I might have gone into it a bit better and had a bit more of a, a, a good feeling about it. But I feel they didn't tell you any of the story because you already knew the story. And so if you already knew the story, you're less likely to go put your bum on the seat and watch it. And that's where uh, the disappointment yeah. comes from. I mean, I mean, we could have a whole discussion about The Last Jedi, which is a different kettle of fish, I think. But in terms of The Force Awakens, I don't think of that as a reboot. At the end of the day, that was taking the premise of the first film and just sort of essentially retooling it, at, but continuing it on. I mean, you still, I mean, you still had to know who Han Solo was. You still had to know who Princess Leia was. You need to know that Chewbacca was and C-3PO and R2-D2. You need to know these characters for the story to work. So they weren't rebooting it. The, this it's it's the same not not having a go at you per se but this this oh it's just new hope well bits of it are still new hope but then again by that measure return of the jedi was new hope no i get that i and understand so that from was, return of the so, jedi but i so think was, so was you know revenge of the sith to a to a lesser degree you know because the end of return of the jedi was the end of Revenge of the Sith or the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. And so to me, I don't see that as a reboot per se. I just see that as, look, here's the characters you like, old fans. Here's the story and situation we're trying to sell, which is the setup of the Resistance. But also, here's plot devices from the thing that you liked for a whole new audience, which are not 40 years old. Mm. So to me, it was a reboot, but not. It was a cheat. And it was a lazy borrowing yeah. to me. Like too many, where they could have gone different, they didn't, and it, it could have still followed the same path without being so blatantly. Oh, we have a big, large planet type weapon. Okay, here's a, <laughs> a larger planet type <laughs> weapon. Mm. Uh, also round, also run by these people. Yeah. Let me let me ask you. We'll kind of go like, kind of get to off of Star Wars for a sec. Psycho is a movie that's been remade. That it's it's a classic of sorts. It's a well known story. Yeah. Um, you would think there's very little financial benefit to remaking that movie because, every, you know, you're not going to draw in people who don't know the story, and it tends to even be more suspense than gore in some cases. Yeah. Um, but it's been remade. You have the the Ocean's Eleven. That now that to me is something that's uh, it's kind of a freshening up retelling. One of those cases where did it have to be called Ocean's Eleven? Could it have just been another ensemble, um, mm. you know, theft movie? And then other properties that are kind of first, but then possibly get remade. You had the Ghostbusters get remade as a retelling and reboot rather than a second chapter mm. or extension of the original story. So, I mean, there's three different types of properties um, that seem to fall into a category that <laughs> you don't need to remake them, but they've all been. Yeah. I mean, in, uh, uh, sorry if I'm just, just jumping in Elton, but no, go for it, man. Go for it. But um, I mean, in terms of things like, like, like Ghostbusters and, um, what was the other ones you mentioned there? Psycho. Psycho was an odd one because it was literally a f- shot for shot remake, wasn't it? Gus Van Sant's one. 
That yeah. that's the Vince Vaughn one. That's the I yeah. saw that I saw the remake before the original. <laughs> and I saw it in the cinema. <laughs> mm. I mean that that was that was a very odd one because that wasn't a reboot. That was literally almost frame for frame. Mm-hmm. And that to me is kind of there's that's an off little weird offshoot of some reboot. Personal of, project. <laughs> You're yeah. doing it for yourself, not for yeah. And and didn't didn't Gus Van Sant was it Gus Van Sant or was it I'm trying to remember or was it no it was Gore Verbinski who did um, the ring and eventually uh, effectively did the same thing you know literally mm-hmm. shot for shot remade it those kind of remakes or reboots don't really they don't really do anything they they're kind of inert because they're not adding to the property and they're not taking away and they're not doing anything other than literally just having another director going. Well, we need to remake this, but I think the last of the, the film we're remaking of essentially is fine. So why don't we just do this, but freshen up a couple of special effects mm-hmm. and, you know, take, put some color in, but effectively do nothing to it. Um, another one like that was um, uh, the remake of Wreck called Quarantine. And it was. It was a reboot remake for an American audience or rather a a Western audience, English speaking audience. And that was such a such so close, so close as a remake. They even had the person who played the creature in the in the loft play the creature in the loft in this version. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. It is literally down to to the actual actor's. We're in it, right? The ones, I, I've the ones, heard that they're so close. I've seen Wreck, but I've never gone to quarantine because I've heard that it's just a shot for shot, and there's no real need to watch it. So I just stuck with the Spanish version. Yeah, it's identical, absolutely identical, even down to the effects. I mean, there is zero difference apart from the fact that they're instead of firefighters who speak fat Spanish, they are now firefighters who speak english and then instead of being a late night reporter who speaks spanish she speaks english and you know like i say the creature in the loft is literally the same actor wow. <laughs> it's exactly the same. so in those kind of instances i don't see those as sort of reboots they're literally just photocopies but that, um, that's for a different audience though isn't it well, in 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 both that case and Psycho and The Ring, it's it's for an audience who just are too lazy to go look for the originals or can't watch them because of subtitles or some kind of block on it. Well, but does it matter? I'm oh, sorry. Sometimes you need that uh, the the reboot to to re-energize the thought around that property. See, with Psycho, yeah, it's always been there, but is it the the further away we get from its release, are people less likely to dip into it? And so a film company would just spawn a reboot just so it generates interest in the old film. And if it is shot for shot, then people will more likely go, okay, well, we'll watch that. But then we want to watch the original, so we buy the original as well. So they're getting twice the money for that. Mm, if that assumes that the people are going to watch the original, I mean, in in the case of like Psycho, the whole point was that you watch someone, a big actress like Janet Lee, a big actress at the time, literally seems to be front and center in the film until 
like about 30, 40 minutes in and then she gets killed off and suddenly it's like the whole audience is left going, hold on. Yeah. She's the one on the front. She's literally on the front cover. She's like head top headlining character. And then all of a sudden she's killed off. And it, the shock comes from that. And so that's a cultural impact. Having Anne Hesch, who at best is kind of middle tier actress in terms of like the grand scheme of things, just turn up and then get bumped off by Vince Vaughn, who is, who is, you know, has got so much red ringed eyed makeup around his eyes. He looks like a wrong and from the start. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't, it misses the point entirely and loses the impact in the doing so. So, you know, if you had, I don't know, let's say Meryl Streep in psycho and it's, and the person who's playing Norman Bates was, I don't know, Zach Efron. Yeah. You know, yeah, like as Martin Thompson said, Drew Barrymore in Scream, you know, if she's right on the top, front and center in the poster, you're like, brilliant. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, um, yeah, fuck, they've gone. Um, yeah. They've been pulled off. That's that's more of an impact. It's, it's, it's the same trick that they used in Alien, which is, you know, the whole film's focused on Tom Skerritt. You're thinking, oh, right, he's the hero. He's the hero. He's the, oh, he's fucking dead. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> And the whole film just goes off kilter and the whole audience goes off kilter with it because their expectations are knocked off center. Yeah. But does it, I'm sorry. No, go on, go on. Sorry. Does it, does it make you different? Like psycho is a film remade into a film. And and a lot of these things we're talking about are that way, but then something like uh, the time machine, Mm. which, you know, so that was remade fairly close to the original material, but obviously the special effects were updated and, um, but it's a it's a book, or you know the. I'm trying to think. Um, it's a little different with the the Moby Dick. What's the Moby Dick movie that they made with? Um, Heart it was supposed sea. to be like the story behind it. The Heart of the Sea with uh, yeah Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's telling the story, but from a different point of view, as opposed to, mm. uh, you know, where we have basically a book made into a movie then made into a more visually oppressive movie or having um, different stars cast in it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, telling, telling the same story, but from, from a different angle is interesting because you, you've got the knowledge of the, of the film, but you, you can do a lot of interesting stuff with the side characters that kind of wander out of the story and then come all the way back in and they've had their own adventures and it kind of fills out a backstory. The the only problem with that is you, you're, you're veering very close towards prequel territory and the issues which that always generates, which is kind of like, ultimately, you know, that their actions and the stuff that happens to these characters is going to end up at this point, you know, and start at this point and all the stuff that happens in between is kind of like, wah, wah, who cares? You know, if you don't care about the characters in the first place, you know, and let's be honest, you shouldn't because they're side characters. They just, they came in, they did their bit, they left. Yeah. Can <laughs> I, can I uh, mention one of the best versions of that, though, is the, I think the the very small graphic novel or ju- the, just the story of the, the thing from the point of view of the thing. I thought that was brilliant. Mm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And it was a case of that the thing is trying to merge with other uh, life forms 
and then confused as to why they don't want to merge with him. It's like, well, mm-hmm. or it, or it, sorry. And it's that, oh, um, but why don't you want to become part of my life force? Join us, join us. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so creepy. I thought it's really cool. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's like that, that internet one with, um, the, yeah, uh, Martin Thompson says Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead. That's probably the best example of cat side characters sort of waiting for their moment to come back on a play. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's I was going to say it's like that one that's on the internet occasionally does the rounds with um, Alien as told by Jones. Yes, Jones the cat, <laughs> sort of sitting there going, "Is anyone going to feed me? Why are they all <laughs> running around and screaming? The big drooly thing is coming over it. Is he? He's, he's not feeding me, bastard! You know, sort of thing." <laughs> and, well, well, there yeah. there is that thing of that story where Jones was chasing the alien around the ship at one point as well. That's right. When it was the little version, until yeah. it sort of sheds its skin <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, I'll leave him alone." I'll. I, he seems a bit grumpy right now. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why you get that shot of the alien looking down at Jones in the cat box. <laughs> He's just looking at him, going, "Yeah, I have you now." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, I, well, you mentioned you mentioned one of the problems for a sequel, or excuse me, for a prequel, is that you know. You know what's ultimately going to happen to the characters, so that it's limiting. So, in a sense, a, a reboot or a remake should have that. If you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to avoid going with uh, Star Wars, but let's mm. let's say um, let's say they they reboot um, Die Hard, and you, you essentially know the outcome of the story. Um, so, there's an element of the suspense is gone. You're just you're watching different special effects. You're watching different um, different things play. Oh, we'll go with Ghostbusters because it actually happened. So mm. it was the same, same idea. You had you had ghosts that had to be stopped. And they team came together. They did all the things they did. Mm. How much can a reboot or remake change the outcome? Like what what liberties can be taken to keep a sense of freshness and unexpected ending um, where it remains a remake or reboot as opposed to. Mm. A new chapter. Does it have to have the origin story? An origin story with with either the same or rebooted characters, but then it can go anywhere it wants from there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's it, isn't it? If you if you take the in, the initial premise as as the starting point for a whole new story or a whole new set of characters, I mean, my my thought immediately as you're saying that goes straight to the um, John Carpenter thing. Because, you know, that was previously the thing from another world with Desi Arnaz Jr. walking around as a human-sized carrot. Um, and, you know, it didn't change shape, but it did terrorize the, the you know, the crew of, you know, the, you know, the crew of this sort of Antarctic base that they can't escape from. And, and that, to me, is, is kind of the classic take the starting point of people trapped on an ice station with an alien that has just thawed out and then going, actually, you know what? Let's take the, the the central themes of, you know, in, in the first, in the first one, which was essentially paranoia, red threats, you know, same as, um, same as invasion of body snatches, which is another one, I guess we should bring up, but the idea of taking the subtext of it and keeping that the paranoia, the fact you can't, be sure whether or not the creatures around the corner, but they transpose that paranoia into 
you can't be sure if the person you're with is the creature and that that just that slight tweak of making the thing instead of Desi Onis with a big T-fowl forehead and turning him into a, a multicellular creature that can change shape and be the almost be the person you're right beside is just enough of a tweak that it feels like the original but feels it's feels very distinct and on its own um and as Andy Plastides brings up in the chat room, you know, Battlestar Galactica is another one. You know, the the plot is essentially the same. You're taking, you know, twelve colonies of man. There's a big attack by this alien, this robotic race that they created, that sort of rebelled against them. And as a starting point, Battlestar Galactica at seventy eight and the two thousand versions literally start from the same point, but go off in quite radically different directions and that to me is kind of almost the best reboots because it takes what you know and then subverts what you know and creates something new and fresh that you get on board because you're kind of oh that's different that's quite cool it's not just new and fresh it's improved as well isn't it yeah I guess so yeah I mean because you know also uh, you know but I was going to say improved is one thing. I mean, but also it sometimes it can, it can work even if it's not improved, if it's just doing the same thing again and, you know, doing the same thing again, but, but adding a little extra something on top, it's not improving it, but maybe updating it for modern times. Mm. Uh, and my, and my thought is the invasion of the body snatchers movies, which has been remade three times, I think. See three times mm. the Abel Ferrara version. There's the Nicole Kidman one as well, isn't there? Yeah, there's the Kidman one, which is yeah, and then oh, there's four times. Then there's Abel Ferrara one. There's the Nicole Kidman version. There's the one with Donald Sutherland, which is the first remake, and then there's the original. And in each case, they're all saying something about society, slightly different. You know, sli- something slightly about the times they were made in. But the story is essentially the same. You know, the pod people win every time. There's no, there's, there's never, there's never an end point of those stories where you go, oh, maybe this time they'll find pesticides or a way of not sleeping or something like this. You know, to get rid of them, never happens ever. Um, but each time, they're they're the humans are kind of, you know, the what how the humans interact is kind of reflecting the times that they're living in, and the paranoia. So you know. The, the 60s 50s version is kind of the reds under the bed kind of thing and the 70s version is just that sort of distrust of of you know of new age thinking and you know governments and and then in the the abel ferrara one it's the fact that you know how can you tell the difference between pod people and real people when everyone's a military person you know and so you know the and i think the nicole kidman one's the, the same sort of thing but it's all about um isn't it all about um, internet and self-help? I think no, so. It, it's been mm. so long since I've seen it. All, all I remember is Nicole Kidman and her pointy boobs. And they were kind <laughs> of characters in themselves. And it, it just, no, it, it didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly you were distracted by a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've just seen Sean McGowan on the, on the chat room. And basically, he's brought up um, 
you know, about difference between reboots of films is bad, but turning them into TV series equals good. Hmm. And that's kind of an interesting point, I think. I mean, you're changing the medium, though, aren't you? Yeah, but you're also changing the form format as well. You're, you... Yeah, the storytelling changes then because it's it's mm. not a, a two-hour single presentation. It becomes more serialized or mm. snippets. Well, people episodic. say that the Sarah Connor Chronicles of Terminator are some of the best Terminator stuff to come out of the franchise. Whereas I, yeah. I haven't got around to seeing that yet. Uh, and personally, I, I've just put it in the chat room. I think Terminator, bar the original, is a complete mess because well, that... because it it just doesn't doesn't have a kind of bible that if it, it follows, it, it kind of messes with it and tinkers with it all the way along. Well, that's the that's the uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, that's the kind of um, joy of time travel, isn't it? That you can go, oh, new timeline. Slightly different. Yeah, well, that's it lends itself to self reboots throughout, mm. and and that going back to the comic book storylines and starting what Star Trek did, it's it's a convenient way to go back and reboot, introduce characters, uh, re revise canon. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, One's just come up. Ryan Stamber has just brought up Heat or LA to Takedown, which is kind of an interesting one. Have you seen those, um, guys? I've seen Heat. Because uh, you'll be surprised to know that I haven't seen either. Elton, you 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 shock me. <laughs> I I I am I am shocked. Although I uh, have seen Fargo, which has been mentioned in the chat room. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's Westworld and Hannibal that's also been mentioned in the chat room as well. I mean, in the ter in terms of Heat and LA Takedown, I mean, LA Takedown is it's again, it's another one of those shot for shot versions of the one that gets remade and gets better known, like Heat. Um, except it, you know, it is it is that kind of you know eighty straight to straight to VHS kind of production. Mm. Um. But actually, it's a, it's a lot better because, in my opinion, because it's it's more punchy. It's telling essentially the same story, but it's not weighed down by. Look, it's Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, and they're in the in the same film for that first time, and they just sit in a cafe and just have a stare off. Mm. And and in the case of, you know, in the case of that, I mean, that's one where a reboot happened or a remake happened and everyone went amazing but actually the cheaper slightly nastier version if you know what i mean in terms of production quality actually is a better film because it's not weighed down by this kind of big star big budget big set piece action it's actually telling the same story but with a lot more economy in all senses um anyway sorry I was going to say, it feels like with literature, like good good novels and plays and such, they get reperformed, retold, they get borrowed from, and, and they become themes of multiple movies. And uh, when we have really original, inspiring movies, those seem to be more untouchable. 
Like they're not going to remake Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They're not going to. We were talking about Star Wars and Jaws. Not not likely to be remade until the economics make it a necessity. But those those weaker films that really aren't so original, but tend to just they're taking the themes from classic literature and um, some very simplistic uh, stories of personal growth and epiphanies and and uh, <laughs> spurned lovers who, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they lend themselves more toward remakes. And it, I think we, maybe we welcome them more because they weren't that great of an original mm. to begin with. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that is the thing, isn't it? I mean, we always lament these reboots and remakes. And you're always sitting there going, oh, no, they're doing another remake. But then you think about it, and you think, am I just annoyed because they're remaking a film that I particularly like? But then you look at the old film and go, actually, it weren't all that. It really wasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. the one the one that come to mi- comes immediately to mind, though the, the remake wasn't much better, to be honest, was Clash of the Titans. Mm-hmm. And, I remember, and I remember as a kid, loving the shit out of that film and then we rewatched it for the black dog ahead of seeing the the remake and oh my god oh, it's very campy oh yeah it's like a row of scout huts it's that campy i mean it's wow it's just oh my word it was terrible rewatching and, that for the black dog because yeah that was one of the first ones i fed back to and that <laughs> that really hurt going back and watch it i watching it with a critical eye instead of the 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 mm. young 10 year old that used to love the shit out of that movie and mm. that really hurt and then i realized well hang on no i'm moving on a little bit that's not good i don't want this to happen mm. but i remember saying to you back on apotheosis too like 80s 10 year old enjoyed different things than t- 2010 year old there's yeah. you know james bond films and that movie movies that i introduced my son to thinking he'd love and the pacing it's just not mtv generation pacing it's it's mm. too slow it, ne- it needs to be action 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 to hold them and it's it, it, that's one reason i guess that some of these films do get remade well, because they, they just don't hold up in that way yeah, we're going off of that, okay? Because there was a remake, I think last year, the the remake of It, and mm. I have to admit, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I haven't gone back and watched the original one, but I, I do remember watching the original film, movie slash TV, whatever it was, and enjoying it. But really, really enjoyed this remake reboot slash whatever you want, and that's got my son interested in this sort of genre this kind of clowny horror weird supernatural type thing and that i suppose there's enough space and it warranted a reboot remake for 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 the time that's passed in between the two so it wasn't just a it's always in the zeitgeist that it oh my god they're making another one of this it was it was warranted, and I think it works really, really well. It, the timing was good for it as well. Mm. I mean, in in terms of in terms of that, I mean, I think that's another one of those ones where a lot of us are sitting there going going on about like sort of with nostalgia and going, "Oh yeah, they can't remake it." But again, watch it. 
watch the original it and it's like oh god stop motion animation spider and oh god yeah you haven't you haven't we haven't got to that bit yet i mean yeah. that's that's coming in the next one isn't it really but but the, the 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 fact of the matter is you know that film sort of lives and dies on the performance of tim curry watch it again and you kind of go ah oh, tim curry's in it great here he is and he's hamming it up and then all of it, you're like brilliant and then he goes away again and you're like oh we're back to subpar stand by me ripoff again here we are again and everything and everything goes a bit weird and you know we get yeah anyway we'll, we, we won't spoil it in case people haven't seen the seen it um but so so for me remakes of of things like stephen king movies uh stephen king novels rather that seems like the perfect sort of thing to reboot because i, I hate to go back to marvel but essentially they have turned around now and just said almost say what you see they've gone yeah yeah we got ancient asgardian gods and you know blokes who've broken their hands and now are magicians and can warp time and here's a bloke with a gauntlet that can change reality you know what we drew it people watched it in the comics read it in the comics let's just put it on the screen fuck it let's try not try not making it gritty blah 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 and got away with it and i think a lot more filmmakers now are turning around and going actually that's what we should do let's not overthink it let's take the source material and just slap it on the screen and people who like the source material will come to it and i think it is a perfect example of that um the new tomb raider for good or ill is an example of that as well and i think that's the start of this video game movies upswing in terms of franchises because people are now looking at video games and going oh look tomb raider it looks like a normal woman but instead of some pointy boob sort of polygon love <laughs> love doll and suddenly she's sort of got an actual plot arc and storyline going on so actually i tell you what let's just make that and people do and then people come along and watch it and it's like two you know i think the marvel have managed to sort of take the safeties off in some ways i know people say that they're quite cookie cutter but in terms of actually giving filmmakers the sort of rights to say, look, don't overthink it. Don't suddenly put in a whole new subplot because you think it'll explain something. Fans wanted that. That's why they bought these things. That's why you have that franchise. That's why you've paid the money for it. Just make it. And in terms of it is kind of like the vanguard of that now, I think. It's kind of like this new sort of, yeah, we couldn't make Stephen King movies. They uh, they were always a bit movie of the week kind of thing, and now it's done, it's done really well. And now they're remaking remaking um, Pet Cemetery. Are they okay? <laughs> and the the mini series was, or oh, the movie was really quite good. But I think, again, I think when they they put all the plot bits back in and you know pare down the the book you know it, just pare it down don't don't add shit into it just pare mm. it for running time i think you're going to end up with something that's genuinely absolutely fucking terrifying mm. um but anyway i was going to say like we've talked about it being the proper amount of time like a long enough time has passed but i think a lot of the reboots are brought up because of a generation the things that 
that we want to share with our kids. That's so there's a taste for it. Things that people grew up, the Power Rangers movie that came out, because those were the people involved in that grew up watching it. The Smurfs were out a while ago. Stephen King. These are things that were 80s, 90s properties. And 20 mm. years later, the people who enjoyed that are now in the industry. Mm. And they're looking to, to I think, either share what they loved or make it better. Or um, I, think, I think it's cyclical in that nature. And, and I think that's we're kind of falling into um, – it, it happens even outside of films. Like, you know, the Cabbage Patch Dolls came back out as – the children of the eighties started having their own children. And yeah, I think that you can probably anticipate what the next wave of reboots will be when you go and look at, well, what was popular in, you know, 1996, 97, those are going to be the next wave of things that are remade, which I guess Tomb Raider would fall into probably mm. in that, that clump yeah. Well, I'm, the video game films, all those originals. Yeah. I'd love to see a new a reboot of the Cabbage Patch Dolls. <laughs> I'd love to see what they do with that. Really? No, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, it happens. You know, the cartoon versions of things come back out, and it's it, you can kind of get a sense. There's a testing of the waters on some of these properties. Even uh, the Jurassic Park film. What was '95? Was the first film? '93. And yeah. then yeah, and so now we have one, one more, which. Which, short of the origin story, was that was basically uh, Force Awakens. You had mm. <laughs> here we are. We're at a park. Um, someone's trying to capitalize on genetic engineering of dinosaurs. They've been too proud. They've engineered something they shouldn't. Thought they could control it. They can't. Park goes crazy. Uh, you know, it's the only thing that kept it from being a uh, reboot versus a sequel was. One character wearing a shirt from the old park, <laughs> a couple of props <laughs> left over, mm-hmm. and I mean, but really, you if you had kind of taken out the reference to John Hammond and made it more like they were the ones who had done it in the first place, it would be a reboot. Yeah, yeah, it would mm. be. So, so why am I more forgiving about the Jurassic Park or the Jurassic World than I am the Force Awakens? What gives there? Because there's been three shitty sequels. Of what one? Sorry, Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. I mean, but but I think that's true with a lot. Like in the Godzilla movies, I, which I love. I all the campy ones, I forgive the the more recent one. I didn't view it as critically as uh, the '98 film, where they they call the monster Gino, Godzilla in name only, and that one that really bugged me because there was no reason for that to be a Godzilla film. There was nothing about it. That was the the Godzilla character or storyline. Mm. Um, it when, really was Godzilla in name only, but uh, it, it didn't matter that then the next, uh, Final Wars came out and and some of the other films. It, I don't worry so much about continuity with that as an entire series, but that one movie it it, it did irk me that they they slapped the name on it. But like with Pete's Dragon, like I said, it slapped the name on it, but really, it, it was a it was a movie that the title meant nothing other than to get me to come in. 
so so just just to ask just because i'm curious because i haven't seen it myself but i've heard a lot of um shall we say interesting things <laughs> i mean how do you feel about shin godzilla have you seen that i have not seen that that's uh <laughs> i well i have seen the i have seen the monster and i don't care for the monster it's like uh it reminds you of in the comic books when mm. the thing would be super mutated and look I, my favorite part of godzilla is the campy rubber suit uh selling you know pro wrestling and rubber suits was uh <laughs> ultraman was kind of thing yeah yeah but um no so sh- there's I'm, i might be confusing there's shin godzilla there was the netflix godzilla movie and then there was the japanese uh, mm. more c- traditional CGI, but it was all subtitle movies. Shin Godzilla's the that's right, the not the Netflix one, correct? Yeah, and that's the the Shin Godzilla was the last, for want of a better term, the, live the real movie where the Netflix is a cartoon. Yeah, they go in the future and Godzilla's taking over the Earth, and that's yeah. right, it's the Monster Planet, which is essentially yeah. After Earth, um, <laughs> but with a Godzilla. Um, yeah, but yeah. I don't know why I'd be more forgiving with that. Or, uh, but you know, Ghost, this Ocean's Eleven reboot that's coming up, I, I really don't care. The Godzilla one, uh, the Godzilla Ghostbusters bothered me not because they were Hello? human story to me. It it didn't felt like it should have been a continuation, and I, mm. I, I had a hard time buying into this the whole setup for it it was too familiar and too different i guess if that makes sense that, that's sorry. The, the ghostbusters we lost you there for a second sorry yeah i'm sorry the ghostbuster the new the go, new ghostbuster remake that bothered me but i don't anticipate having any problem with the oceans 11 reboot with sandra bullock I, I have no problem with it being female characters and the same story but i i don't know just there's something about the original Ghostbusters that I guess I hold in a little more reverence, maybe like you were saying with Star Wars, it's yeah. See, with with the reboot of the the Ghostbusters, I I I couldn't care less if it was female led or male led or whatever, as long as you get a good story. But I felt that that story was a bit confused as to what it yeah. was, whether it was a prequel or a reboot or a sequel, because it was trying to do all three at the same time, a bit like. Do you remember uh, the the thing, and then they made the prequel to the thing? But really, was it a sequel to the thing? And it was taking mm-hmm. elements of the thing and then putting them before it actually happened, and it, it that was a bit confused as to what it really wanted to be. Yeah, well, that got things that got things absolutely fucked up anyway, because you know the thing suddenly couldn't couldn't copy fillings or something. That was their that was their identifier. Yeah, and it was like. That just felt like someone had just gone, hold on, we can't do the blood thing again. Um, can it copy organic? Can it copy fake materials? No? Brilliant. That's the thing. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. That was, that, was, that was clearly scribbled up on the bag of a, back of a fag packet in a pub at the last minute, that idea. Yeah, that was, uh, we were written into a corner. How the hell do we get out of this one? Mm, yeah, the, 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 the Mary Winstead Joel Edgerton thing was just not good. I, yeah, I get I get cross when I think about that film. I, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just let's move on. Okay, can so, you? Oh, right, go, go, go on, go on, Scott, go on. I was just curious if you could think of like we we're, we're saying, or I've said a couple times that 
it bothers me that they make a reboot and they just slap the name on it. Um, but so we've talked before about like James Bond. There's, there's plenty of James Bond clones that yeah. are not James Bond. There's diehard clones that they don't say to be diehard. Can you think of a movie that was pretty blatantly a ripoff um, and didn't didn't claim to be a reboot uh, and, and how that either the the <laughs> criticism they got for being claiming to be a separate movie when they really weren't or um, or even like the credit it got for being like it, the jaws of space or wow oh i think there's a load in my head i can't think of any names at the moment though so so you're looking you're looking for a film which is essentially a reboot but and a remake but not actually well, kind of like where you know some as if someone had taken had heard my criticism of a bad reboot like pete's dragon should not have been called pete's dragon okay well here's jungle book you know yes yeah. okay but um you know you look at that sometimes or or jason Bourne, which you know he's he's a combination an amalgamation of so many of the bond type super spies mm. you know and it was the first movie was pretty well received mm. um but then sometimes someone makes makes a knockoff film and it's you know that's basically just james bond they should have just called it james bond and <laughs> and stop pretending and and yet if they had it would have been ripped apart for being a reboot i feel like there's there's not really a win-win in there um, yeah yeah i mean there's the i mean as sean said you know everything's and i you know i mentioned earlier you know everything since die hard has been die hard on a thing. yeah but um if you're talking about a film which you could see that all you needed to do is just change the title and it would have been a you know would have been a sequel mm-hmm. i mean the one that comes to mind though i know i'm being incredibly unfair because i actually like this film as a, as a film on its own is um you know starship troopers uh and to me that feels like someone watched aliens and went brilliant let's have let's have marines versus bugs let's do that again mm-hmm. and I know it's not aliens. I know it's not going to be aliens, but if you read the book, which it's supposedly based on, it's so far away from what you got on the TV show, um, on the film. And it's, it's very similar to um, like, for example, like Robocop being, you know, effectively they couldn't get the rights to judge dread. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, and which is also Verhoeven, actually. Now I think about it, maybe he's got a thing for these things. Um, so those kind of remakes, reboots that they kind of get away with it. I mean, yeah, if if Robocop had turned up and been called Judge Dredd, I think I probably would have gone, "Oh my god, you know, get out of it, no, be gone." But actually, the fact that they just made him a slightly more robotic than the character of Judge Dredd and just said, "Actually, he is a physical robot." Um, yeah, Sean McGowan in the chat in the chat says Ghoulies was a rip off yep. of Gremlins. Um, though, yeah, um, though, yeah, pretty much anything from Asylum, as Jack Woodgate brings up, you know. But those kind of things are are active knockoffs, you know, Transformers and Transmorphers. You know, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah, that's slightly different, I think. But um, yeah, I the only other one I can think of that comes 
comes to mind is oh god um critters do you remember critters oh yes mm-hmm. old leonardo and, dicaprio was in that wasn't he that's right and that came right on the back of of um came right on the back of gremlins and it was so obviously a gremlins ripoff you know even down to the fact that the way they didn't they reproduce by like popping out of each other's fur <laughs> You know, the whole thing was yeah. was barring barring the rules. You know, they were. You know, they it was essentially the same thing. And you know, Critters. I mean, I haven't watched it for years, so I'll probably have a different opinion now. But for me, Critters was kind of like it was fun, and it was kind of like scratching that itch that you didn't get with, you know, you, you wanted another Gremlins, and sort of like, well, you didn't. You can't have it. There you go. Have this instead. Yeah. But if they called it Gremlins too. You would have been like, "Oh, come on! Where's, where's the yeah. where's the satire? Where's the dark edge? You know, oh, these rope things look shit." Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think every zombie movie that's ever been made since Dawn of the Dead has pretty much been Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's another one, um, including the remake, which was done by Zack Snyder, which is kind of a weird one. Yeah, well, that that pool has been dipped in far too many times, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, the best remake of Dawn of the Dead is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Um, yeah, and Sean Sean McGowan's just brought up Alan Quatermain films, which is a literary character suspiciously started appearing post Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's right. It was um, Richard. Um, oh God, what's his name? Was in Shogun, Richard Chamberlain, in two Alan Quatermain films. Cities of, was it City of Gold? Yeah, I think I've seen one of them. Yeah, with Sharon Stone. All I remember is her go. Yeah, Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. All I remember is Sharon Stone half naked in a pot, (laughs) rolling downhill. Oh, okay. Was was the pot rolling downhill the thing that really did it for you there, Elton? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I pot porn. That's it, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all over that one. Yeah, yeah. They're literally there's literally there's literally sort of proper probably couldn't ever be seen again on on British TV. Sort of casual racism of sort of like bone through the nose, you know, African <laughs> savages yeah. throwing Sharon Stone into a pot which literally is filled with water and floating carrots. Right. Yeah. While a person with a shrunken head behind them dances yep. around, pretty much, and then and then basically she and Richard Chamberlain managed to knock the thing off its off its legs, uh, off its little supports, and it rolls downhill. <gasps> it's on Netflix. <laughs> it's on Netflix. <laughs> right, that's going to onto Sol- my list. <laughs> In Solomon's mind, yeah, yeah, you will you will have a Ro- Robinson's Jam Gollywog moment of kind of like, oh my god, no. seriously it's 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 not it's it's politics is quite bad (laughs) seems perfect for the docket i think no No. i'm not entirely (laughs) sure it is to be honest okay so okay well not trying to wrap it up but heading towards that sort of area are there any material that you would think are are ready for a reboot I think an untapped 
genre are the John Hughes films because even they're very 80s. They're very dated, and although um, you know, there's plenty of teen angst movies these days, I, if they remade Sixteen Candles, if they remade Pretty in Pink, I, I don't, I, I don't know how I'd feel about it to be honest. But I think if it was well made, and I probably would want thematically it to stick very close to the original, um, mm. they could still have. I I think it could be freshened up and to appeal to to today's generation it could be made a little culturally diverse and ethnically diverse but mm. I think um that's that's something that I'm kind of surprised hasn't been rebooted mm. but there's a, there's a well of films there that you know an entire generation uh loved yeah <laughs> Yeah, Sean McGarren, upon listening to that, has gone, no, yes, yes. we make new team films. Not- <laughs> <laughs> you might have pressed the button there, uh, Scott. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, what I was going to say, I, uh, my, 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 um, yeah, my love for John Hughes uh, f- films kind of is on a very weird sort of scale. I'm all over the place with them. But um, the one that comes straight to mind would be... Um, would be planes, trains, and automobiles in that respect. Get you know, would you be able to remake that now without a John Candy and with someone to replace, you know, a sort of you know Steve Martin, who's clearly not not the Steve Martin that was the wild and crazy guy that we knew back in the sort of mid eighties. I think you'd have to wait for the right. Uh, so the actors to be available. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, <laughs> 22 and a third Jump Street. Basically, <laughs> you're going to you're going to get uh, you know characters that oh this is a a slightly overweight uh, character ca- comedy actor and this is a an actor who's somewhat popular. We'll throw them in. You want you want someone who's going to be a John Candy, and I I don't know if there's there's certainly no one on Saturday Night Live right now who's who's in that mold, but I guess eventually you'll have someone come up. Mm. So is that down to the studios to to hold their horses a little bit and wait for the right actors to come along? I doubt they will. It's probably whoever owns the property. How much do they care about what the mm. next version looks like? Yeah, yeah. Whether or not whether or not the the name of the film coming back would actually cause you know would would pull in more um would pull in money because i mean if you suddenly if you suddenly were to say i mean let's this is this is the one that i was going to go to with something coming back you know if someone was to say okay we we need to have another indiana jones movie but obviously we can't have harrison ford anymore because he is literally he is just a crumble of dust in a sack of flesh trying desperately to sort of like stumble about so how about we give the property to our cgi department aka pixar and make an animated version of indiana jones and start from scratch and do sort of like a tinting on it that would be i don't know i i would go more in the style of incredibles that sort of animation not tinting hmm and go go right down. So then, in a few years' time, then you could re solid reboot 
the the live action version. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then not then you've got a nice little stopgap in between the Harrison Ford years, then you're hmm. not treading on his toes with a new live action one. Because at the moment you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean I would like to just state for the record, going back to Planes, Trains and Water Automobiles and Indiana Jones, you know, that I have no no desire to see either of them remade. No, the question was what seems due, not yeah, not, uh, well, not what do we want to see? That's so, you know, John Hughes films same way. Right? It seems like I'm surprised they're not remade, but I'm happy to watch the originals. Yeah, I think I think it is just a case of it's going to wait until everyone from the 80s has died. But ironically, ironically, there's a film out in the cinema right now which is literally just I remember things in the 80s, the movie. <laughs> yeah. So what, what is that called, then, Lee? It's called Ready Player One, right. and it, and and, it, and literally it is. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Brilliant. Um, and I'm I mean I'm interested whether or not that if that does well, as it probably will. Spielberg movies rarely tank. Um, is that actually going to is that actually going to cause like a bigger rush on 80s reboots and remakes uh well i'd imagine that people that aren't aware of back to the future just going on the adverts themselves because i haven't seen the the actual i haven't read the book and i haven't seen the movie Uh, but that Mm. is front and center of everything that i've seen so far and that would that could be called into question as to whether that requires a reboot or not. Well, Bob Gale, um, who was involved in making the um, first Back to the Future, still has the rights to it, and he said it's not going to be, it wouldn't be remade until he died. So we got to hope he stays alive Fair forever. Play. So, so I think we should Disneyfy him. I think we should cut his head off and stick him in a <laughs> cryo chamber until he drama to make him. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does seem like though it's it's actors who decide they want to reboot properties. I mean, I get that sense that it's it's a certain actor who very much want wants to produce a remake of a certain film, cast mm. himself in it or herself in it, and possibly direct. Mm. And then that's how a lot of these seem to get made. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. Um, in, in, I mean, because, because, I don't, re- I, I remember the, there was two remakes of um, Inspector Clouseau, um, three actually. There was, there was mm-hmm. one with a, 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 a French actor. Yeah, name eludes me. And there was two with Steve Martin, and I don't think those were made because the actors wanted to do it. Um, I mean, but I might be wrong. Um, but, oh. I don't know where where the need to come need where the where the word comes up when it comes to reboots. Um, you know, I mean, if it's a Warner Brothers one, I know why because they have a library of stuff, such a huge library of stuff that to they just turn around and go, well, you know, what's the cheapest thing to make because we don't have to pay a scriptwriter, 
you know, we just we just basically hand it off to I don't know your you know modern day version of Brett Ratner and just say look make it make it exactly as we say go off and do it come back when you've got a product. Um, well, the Sony properties, the superhero films, that was part of the contract. They had mm. if they did not release a film, I think it was the Spider-Man film was every five years. They, they yeah. lost the rights to it, and I, I I know they let a couple go, but. Mm, yeah, and and the Fantastic Four movies as well. Mm-hmm. It's the same deal. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean McGangan's going. I won't shit on Ready Player One because I haven't seen it or read the book, but I have doubts because nostalgia is tricky. Very easy to overdose on it and lose the plot. In my opinion, Stranger Things gets nostalgia right with tons of references, even scenes that go for shot for shot for what they're referencing, and it's all done with context. Yeah, I mean, in terms of ready player one it's it's more the fact that there's references to things inside this game called the oasis that everyone lives in mm-hmm. i mean i hated the book i really hated the book um because it because there's one whole sequence in the book and i don't know if it's in the film which actually has the hero trying to figure out a puzzle to get one of the main stages of the game and sort of uh, on his quest to basically win the entire virtual world, which involves him having to know verbatim the um, whole of War Games, Matthew Broderick's film. Oh, okay. That's that's not in the movie. So. That's not in the movie. Okay, no. fine. Cool. I've seen, seen the movie. The movie, I think, it's it's a little gentler then it sounds like the book was with the um, nostalgia references. It's, it's much more, I haven't read the book, but it, it's much more just kind of that the, the Oasis's creator as he, uh, for this game and contest, mm. he used a lot of things that were his favorite. So like you see Kong in the, um, in the commercials. Yeah. I mean, there, there is no King Kong, the movie. It's just Kong. The character is, is, mm. uh, <laughs> it's kind of, I would almost liken it to uh, Wreck It Ralph having Cubert uh, and some yeah. of the other characters in it. It's, mm. it, it's not so much that you, I mean, there. I think there are some clever uh, things. I don't know what replaced the war games element, but um, I heard there was a sequence in The Shining, um, which, yes, which is not in the book. So I guess that's probably it. Yes, that's uh, there's a uh, shining, some Atari things, mm. but that too, it's not not such a blatant. Um, oh well, you know, here they are playing uh, combat on the Atari, and <laughs> oh, it, it didn't feel as forced, right? Okay, as it sounds like it would have been. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a whole sequence in the book where they're playing Joust, um, an old game from the sort of ninety mm-hmm. early 1980s, where they're riding on griffins. And again, it's that whole thing of the book goes into this lavish sort of like four page detail on how joust the game worked before the guy gets in and plays it. And then they describe in horrible, horribly inane detail exactly blow by blow on this game. And you're like, really? Even if I was sitting there with my best friend. And he's describing, and then I went up, and then a bullet missed me, and then I went down, and another bullet missed me. Then I did the old flip flip, and I landed on this guy, and I took a I took a risk of landing on the guy and going for the, the sort of special, and you're like, 
That's fucking deep. In the, in the chat room, Martin Thompson says, uh, mm. I guess this is in the book, to crack the Oasis and win the prize, the players had to become as obsessed with 80s trivia as Halliday was, the founder. Mm. The movie... The hero is—he's not obsessed with '80s trivia. He's obsessed with holiday trivia. So uh, he's—he knows everything about the man and what he loved and his. Um, so he, there is no joust thing, but there may, and there's not. But the equivalent would be, um, he, he's familiar about the time Holiday played joust, and the, who was with him there and where he was, and and those are the clues to. You know, oh, it was at this pizza place that he loved, and it was this address, and that address happens to be, um, mm. you know, uh, on thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. Right next to it is the same address. This is not, I'm not spoiling the movie, but yeah. that's how they kind of connect it. It's it's knowledge of the the creator and his interests, which were all '80s things, uh, rather than being obsessively aware of joust and um, yeah. intricacies of things. Right. Uh, okay. Because, because uh, I mean, the only thing I'm thinking about that is, is if you've got your main old cinema going audience is kind of like sort of your your sort of thirteen to sort of twenty year old sort of person, which is kind of the main demographic that they kind of aim for, mm-hmm. then they won't know a good seventy percent of the references that were in the book, and what I've seen of the trailers. They've thrown in references to other properties that are more up to date. So you've got the bike from Akira and you've got Tracer from Overwatch and all this other stuff. And I'm just wondering if if Ready Player One, the film, does really well, then essentially everyone and their dog is going to capitalize on as featured in Ready Player One. That bike from Akira. Here is Akira. You know, and look, it's the Iron Giant. Let's remake the Iron Giant. It's like, oh my God. I just, I'm, I'm just wondering whether or not this is going to have a massive, massive ooh, kind of knock-on in terms of what's going to get remade and rebooted. It's going to possibly saturate the market with reboots that we don't really want. I can't really see it going that way, though. Like, the, the Iron Giant element, the most... And I love that movie. The most it did is make me go like, ah, oh, like I was happy to see it, but at most it might make me see if it was on Netflix, but there was, mm. it wasn't used in the, even though it is incorporated significantly at one point, it's, it didn't make me feel in any way like oh, that's the story we need to rehear. Mm. It was, it's more than just a, a character, a character builds things, um, in the world on contract. And that's one of the things they happen to be working on for another client. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of cool. I'm sure the book, it sounds like the book is much, uh, much more plotty in terms of having to get through all the nostalgia. This seems like it was kept in mind that most people are are basically just going to want to quick, like, Oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. That's cool. well, if you if you do want to read the book, I would suggest getting the audio book, which has Will Wheaton narrating it, ah. and that just kind of sums it up in a nutshell. <laughs> it's kind of like, "Hello, I'm Will Wheaton from the '80s and '90s Star Trek: The Next Generation," and I would like to tell you all about the '80s and the '90s. Yeah, it might mm-hmm. as well just be, "Hello, I'm the 1980s." <laughs> <laughs> 
Greetings, traveller from the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, we're we're coming rapidly approaching the two hour mark. So, is there anything that you guys haven't touched on that you wanted to touch on really quickly, or or should we leave it there uh, for maybe a a possible uh, reboot later on in the future? <laughs> I was going to go into I was going to go into porn remakes for a laugh, but I think we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, them stories are so tiresome. Yeah, and even in even in those Batman bloody origin story again, <laughs> <laughs> well, the special effects get updated. That's the key. Yeah, <laughs> that's the yeah. Spider Man. Spider Man has a better way of doing his web fluid. Yes, than, than cartridges in his wrist. I tell you that. Oh. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the tone down and leave. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up there then, sod it. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, first off, Scott and Lee for joining me. That was excellent. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there will be a reboot of this episode at some other time later on down the road, maybe in a year's time. And then <laughs> we, we can look fondly back at our time tonight, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Thank you to everyone in the chat room as well. Uh, if you didn't join us in the chat room, next time out, please pop along to mixler.com forward slash road to media and you can join in all the fun that we have there as well. There's, there's been so many comments. I've been trying to keep up with it and really haven't been able to keep up with that at all. So thank you very much. And I hope you guys over there enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you did listen live, it still doesn't mean that you don't get to download this. You have to go and download it. That is part of the contract of coming along and listening live so, so there oh. go. yeah so guys have you got anything that you'd like to plug to these lovely listeners that we have here go on scott i don't that's the thing i i uh i'm looking for the opportunity and t and scheduling arrangements to be able to get back into doing this more regularly so i do hope to have something to plug more often I would just say keep an eye out. Elton said they'll put this on the Apotheosis feed. Um, keep it active. Maybe something will pop up again in a short bit. And uh, maybe Elton and I will rethink something else. We had decided not to do the X-Files Season 2. Yeah. Or I, season 12, whatever it happens to be. But. I don't know. I've watched two episodes of that and just decided, nope, nope, thank you very much. Time is too precious. There may be something else that comes up, though, that we decide uh, – it, it's worth giving a little bit of time to. Yeah. Well, th How there about are... Lost? Sorry? How about rethinking Lost? Wow. Well, what I'm afraid to rewatch Lost. Yeah, same here. I, <laughs> I, I feel like there's things I'm going to be excited to look for and, and things I don't... The The show I really enjoy, and I hope it's good in, in a second viewing, I really enjoyed Fringe. And so if ever Elton is interested in committing to that, it's... Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it's uh, it does go from monster of the week for a season into a much more uh, episodic scenes three through five or two through five. Um, that might be something to do in the future, definitely. How yeah. many seasons are there? I think there's five total. Right, that might be something to to consider. We'll have to mm -hmm. we'll have to have a little chin wag about that at some point. Cool. Okay, yeah, so well, if people are interested in finding out the origins of, of myself and Scott, you can pop along to, oh God, here we go, Bombast Podcast at 
dot podbean.com. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I, I was going to give out. Or a, rethinking a, lost dot podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you. There we mm-hmm. go. Yeah. You, I think all the links on that are on the road to media site as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Lee, what about yourself? Have you got anything to plug? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm on, I'm on the black dog podcast every week with Elton and Jim and Darren. And yeah, we just talk about old films and new films and stapling ourselves to the doors and yeah. And, uh, and turtles that are door to door salesmen. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything. Well, we always do a review of an old film whether it's good and bad and whether it deserves that reputation and for the most part they do (laughs) take it from there you can find us on blackdogpodcast.com and you can also find us on itunes and pretty much anywhere with the username just put in blackdogpodcast and on facebook uh facebook.com slash group slash blackdogpodcast there you go that's right yeah And all the links will be in the show notes. There, they always are to all the other shows that are on uh, that I'm involved in, or that I know of, and my friends and Jim's stuff and uh, Danny Davies' stuff, and all the other stuff that I put uh, together, like Grand Prix podcast and From the Earth to the Moon podcast as well. There are links to the Patreon, and I know Black Dog has a Patreon as well. So if you have some shekels, spare any shekels for an ex-leper then you know throw them over their way why not you know keep the th- lights on in these uh, good communities that we have around here so there we go so i'm going to wrap it up there so thank you once again gentlemen for joining me it's been excellent no problems thank you thank you for having thank me. you thank you to the chat room and uh, that's also been excellent as well and uh until next time please leave quietly this is a residential area Right. I will let you get back to your evening then. Yeah. Yeah. Just gonna have to turn the mic off, point the um point the point the camera up and <sighs> just let nature take his course. <laughs> <laughs>